Welcome to Living For Him podcast, where in every episode, you are invited to experience the joy of a life in Christ. I'm your host, CJ Cousins, and in today's episode, it is my prayer that the primary emphasis and goal of the following message is that you hear and respond to the good news about Jesus Christ and his kingdom. So whoever you are and wherever you are, thank you for joining us. I invite you to listen with an open heart, subscribe for future episodes, and stay tuned for some next steps after this message. Enjoy. Church hurt is real. Somebody, and it may be you sitting here, it's been a while since you've come to the in-person worship experience. And finally, you decide to go to the, you know, you've been watching online, you decide to go to an in-person worship experience, and when you get there, the wrong words spoken can just set you back. If that's you, you've experienced church hurt. Or it could be that you may be that person, you're a young person, a young teenager that just loves to use your instrument to worship the Lord Jesus in gratitude. And you, on one occasion, when you're invited to, to play that instrument to worship the Lord, someone decides to take it upon themselves, misguided in demonizing that very instrument that you play. They decide to go ahead one day and pull you aside and berate you for their disdain over that instrument and why it's not welcome to be played here for the worship of the Lord. If that's you, you've experienced church hurt. Or maybe you've been that person that has been maybe on a church trip somewhere, and while you're there, you see someone, you're with someone that you thought was a friend, and they say something that wounds you, that hurts you deeply, and it ostracizes you for the rest of the trip, and you receive no apology, and so you decide then to leave this church. Well, then maybe you've experienced church hurt. You know, church hurt comes in a variety of ways, and it takes a variety of different forms. Nevertheless, it's still very painful, amen? There's a form of trauma that a lot of people don't feel often comfortable sharing and disclosing, but it's very real. And the reality is, is that when someone has been wounded in the, what should be a safe place to grow, like a hospital when you're sick, the church, when you receive hurt, often in the church, among the church, then often what happens is if it was one person or a few people that hurt you, it then colors how you see the entire church. And then unfortunately, what that also can do is then transfer on how you see God. And therefore, what happens psychologically and emotionally is then you begin to check out and you wander and you drift away and then you kind of turn your back on God and the church. And then the devil then goes check. He's accomplished his goal to the, to the destruction of a soul. And Jesus seeing this dynamic and foreseeing it and understanding this dynamic that often happens in churches, he, he doesn't leave the word unspoken when it comes to this issue. He speaks about it. He has something to say about it. And I think it would do us well to lock in and see what Jesus has to say about this reality. Amen? 
If you're in Matthew chapter 18, Jesus is in a house with his disciples, and they have just been disputing amongst themselves which of them is the greatest. By the way, in the presence of Jesus. I mean, what a contrast there. And as they're there, and Jesus is aware that they've been having this dispute, Jesus now recognizing that he is just months away from the cross, he decides, I need to address this issue. And so what he does is he brings, the, he brings this little child right in the midst of them, and he places his arms gently around this little child. And he begins to describe what greatness in the kingdom of God is actually like, what it actually looks like for you to be someone great in the kingdom of God. And he says, you need to be like this child. He says, if you even want to be there, forget about who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. If you just want to be there, you need to be like this child, meaning you need to be humble. You need to be trusting. You need to be teachable. Ouch. And you need to be dependent. Dependent. And then Jesus begins to use some very strong language about what happens if you harm, if you hurt one of these, his little children, or what he would call little ones. Strong language. Because Jesus says, look, these are my children. And it's not just referring to like little children, like children, you know, it includes little children, but he's also saying my spiritual children. Whether you're brand new in the faith, you just got baptized, you're new to this church, or you've been growing in the faith for a while, he says these are my children and they matter to me. You see, because whenever you have experienced church hurt, you can then be led to believe, you can be tempted to believe that, well, what if I really just don't matter to God that much after all? And the question we need to wrestle with today as we get ready to dive into Matthew chapter 18 is, how much do you matter to God, especially when you've experienced church hurt? Yes? Because Jesus is still there, child right there in the midst. The disciples are watching and listening, hanging on every word that Jesus says, and his arms are still wrapped around this child. Beautiful object lesson right in front of them. And he continues to speak, and you, you can begin to hear the, the passion coming out of the voice of Jesus. Come with me now to Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse number 10. Matthew chapter what? Matthew chapter 18, beginning in verse number 10. 10. Let's listen in with the disciples. If you can place yourself there in your mind's eye, enter the story and you listen to what Jesus has to say. And maybe we'll discover the answer and get clarity to our question this morning. Beginning in verse number 10, the Bible says, see that you do not despise, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Oh, that's so precious, isn't it? That's so cute, isn't it? Oh, the angels of God that are guardian angels over God's children. You know, up until I was looking over this passage and studying this, this verse, 
this past week, I would often get that warm and fuzzy, you know, after you read that. Isn't it wonderful, a beautiful thought, true thought, that we have guardian angels that watch over us, right, that care for us and are protecting us. Hebrews let us know in verse, in chapter 1 of Hebrews, they're ministering spirits, right, sent to minister us to us that are redeemed and saved, amen? But do you know that what Jesus was saying in that, in that passage was actually a little bit more pointed than that true, beautiful imagery, of the guardian angels. As a matter of fact, what Jesus is doing is he's using the imagery of their day that, that someone of import has direct access to the court of a judge or a king who executes judgment and is bringing a report. And so Jesus is saying, in heaven, these angels are actually the noblest of angels that have direct access to the, the court of the presence of the true king, the God of heaven. And they're bringing a report about what's happening to his children. Jesus is then now, as we understand not only that, but what preceded verse 10. He's letting us know, look, the, 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 the meaning is unmistakable. He's saying, look, you matter so much to God. That he will hold whoever hurts you accountable. You matter so much to God that it doesn't pass his notice. He's getting a report about what has happened to you. You know what I'm talking about. How many of you have ever been driving? You've been speeding in the school zone. Don't put, don't put your hands up. You were speeding in the school zone. And you hit a speed bump, or, or maybe you got stopped by a police officer that, that, that you did not notice initially. Was kind of out of plain sight. You know what I'm talking about. And see, that scenario, some people look guilty, they're nodding their heads. <laughs> and that scenario has been set up so that you would value the lives of the children that are there going to and from that school. Because if you violate it, you will be held accountable. Because that's how much those children's lives matter to us parents, right? Hopefully to society, hopefully to the school. And God is saying, look, I will hold whoever, whoever hurts you, whoever harms you, I will hold them accountable. Just consider what Jesus says just a little bit before that. Before verse 10, he says essentially, look, if you offend, if you cause to stumble one of these little ones, my children, he says, look, it would actually be better that you were dead than to hurt one of these little ones. Whoa. But wait, then he follows that up and he says, look, as a matter of fact, it would actually be better that you get rid of, an, of some part of your body and enter life than to experience the fires of hell than to actually harm one of these, my little ones. Strong words, yes? Jesus is leaving no room for ambiguity. His message is clear. He's not wanting you to get any kind of mistaken, foggy understanding. He says, look, mess with my children and there will be consequences. Now, please understand that at the heart and the core of God's heart is that everybody would repent and come to forgiveness and be saved. Amen? Yes. 
But he says, look, if you harden your heart in unrepentance, he says, look, trust me, you will be held accountable. And I will tell you from what I see in scripture, it is literally dangerous to harm one of God's children. Oh, ask those that tried to have Daniel thrown in the lion's den. What was their end? Read the book of Revelation and see what happens in the end. And the angels and the redeemed are all actually praising God because God finally steps in. Though he's long-suffering, he finally steps in to execute justice where we failed to render it. No one is getting away with anything. Do you understand? Even if on earth it seems like they're getting away with some things. Really and ultimately, no one's getting away with anything. Either your judgment has fallen on Christ and you've received it, hallelujah, and you are repentant and you're broken at the cross and he begins to transform your life, or you experience that which Jesus took for you and never intended for you to experience. It was intended for the devil and his angels and you experience it as it's recorded in Revelation 20 by your own choice, no choice arbitrary on the part of God. You pull the ambiguical uh, cord. Cord? No, the life plug, right? Oh yeah, yeah. But, listen, Jesus, Jesus is aware. He says, look, I understand. These things happen here on earth, right? He says, I understand that offenses will happen, but he says, woe to you that caused the offense. He says, because he understands that what happens is often people get hurt, and what happens is then they often get led astray, and they find themselves lost. And that's why he then turns and shifts to what he's about to say now in verse number 11. Verse number 11, the Bible says, For the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. That which was what? Lost. What do you think, he says, if any man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the ninety-nine on the mountains and go and search for the one that is straying? He asks this rhetorical question. If you were someone that had sheep, Back in the first century, if you were a shepherd, which, by the way, I discovered were, were often female. Ooh. Dwell on that for a moment when we think about the role of shepherding. Mm. But anyway, he uses that imagery. And what he says then is he says, look, if you guys will do that, what do you think about God? Right? You know, as I've been learning about sheep, and, you know, when, you, when you're preparing for messages like this, you want to dig into the actual context and, the, and, and what goes on with sheep and shepherding. And what I discovered is that it's not so much that sheep are dumb. Have you heard that before? Dumb sheep. You ever heard that? Yeah. It's not so much that sheep are dumb. It's that sheep were created to be, in a sense, helpless and dependent. Sheep thrive, listen, sheep thrive in the context of being connected to fellowship and community with the flock. Are you hearing that? They were, they were designed for relationship amongst other sheep. And they survive, they thrive better when they're in the fold. Even though that fold may be a little smelly and bumping into each other along the way, and they both want the same piece of grass. 
they do better together. Oh, man. And so Jesus is saying he likens himself now to a shepherd, okay? He likens himself to a shepherd that leaves 99 that are now safe in the mountains, right? And he leaves them temporarily and he goes in search for one sheep, just one. Just one sheep. Make understand these sheep were used for, you know, food. They were used for their clothing. They had multiple uses, right? They were very valuable. So if you lost one, it was a major business loss. And even maybe survival for your family. You could have, you could have felt, you felt that, right? Economically. And Jesus says, if that sheep was so valuable to that shepherd, then what about the good shepherd? What about the one that left heaven and came to earth in search for you? You know, those shepherds literally went looking after even just one sheep at the risk of personal harm, at the risk of possibly having to fight off predators, and even at the cost of their own lives to rescue one. One. Leaving the 99 in the, in, in the mountains. And what Jesus is saying here is he says, look, listen, I want you to understand, you're so valuable to God. You're, you, you, you matter so much to God that, that he goes and listen, he goes in relentless search, even if only for you. Relentless search at the cost of his own life, literally at the cost of his own life. He goes in search for you. It's like the movie Finding Nemo, if you ever saw that film. This father of this little fish enters on a anxious journey across the sea to find his one son, often at the very near cost of his own life. And Jesus is letting you know today that, that, that he did not just cross the ocean to find you. Oh, please hear me, somebody, today. He left heaven to come and find you, to put on human flesh, to live your experience and sweat and bleed like you do and feel pain like you do and feel, yes, church hurt like you do. It put him on a cross. And he says, listen, I come in relentless search for you. I don't stop. I don't sleep. I look for you. I search for you. That's Jesus. As you read this story, your mind can go to John chapter 10, verse 11, where he says that I am the good shepherd who lays down my life for the sheep. As you read this, you recognize that it was a costly, expensive trip for God to send his son to planet Earth. As you read this, you begin to understand that it could, yes, very well, it is true. It is applicable to say that that 99 that's on the mountains are the church, yeah? They're safe, right? These people that have received Jesus and are following him and they're now in fellowship together like sheep, they're safe on the mountains, hopefully, right? But what you're getting also is that he puts the majority of his energies, listen, he puts the majority of his energies into finding the one that's lost. The one that goes astray. Remember, he's teaching his disciples, their students, their learners. They're to pattern their ways after the ways of Jesus. Where are we as followers of Jesus? Where is the majority of our energies? 
Does it match Jesus? Or are we more preoccupied with the 99 that are already saved? See, Jesus in his relentless search is a shepherd that's going out there looking even just for one. He's getting bruised. The thorns are scratching him up. He's got to go through ravines. He may have to fight, fight off different animals and, and all this stuff to find the one sheep that went astray. The, th the thing about these sheep is that if they're left out there, they begin to cry, they begin to whimper, and after a while, if they've been left there by themselves for a long period of time, their voice begins to fade and fade and fade. Remember, they're helpless and they're dependent. They're dependent on the shepherd for guidance. They're dependent on the shepherd for protection. They're dependent on the shepherd for deliverance. And if the shepherd does not come, if they're left out there away from the flock, lost, caught in a thicket in some bushes for too long, they will die. Or a predator will come and will kill that sheep. And so the shepherd has to move quickly to find that sheep, even if it costs him. Now Jesus, as he's in his search, as he's come to, to, to earth, right, to, to, to die for you, to, to redeem you, to find you in your mess, wherever you are in life, please understand, he loves you so much and he's so relentless that he will actually permit you to experience pain. The pain of life. Life in a lost place in life. He will allow you to feel that so that you can sense and become aware of your need, your desperate need of him. Are you experiencing some pain in your life? It may not be just the devil. It may be that God says, you've fallen away. You've, you've, you've been led astray. You've been distancing yourself, but now you find yourself in a place of lost confusion maybe, or, or you just feel that distance. You ever feel that distance from God? Maybe you haven't been praying like you used to, and you, not, you haven't been reading your Bible like you used to, or you've been disconnecting from the flock, and, and so now you feel distant. You know, God sometimes allows you to feel life without him. And listen, I don't care how you try to cover it up. I don't, try, I don't care how you try to fake it. I don't, I, I don't care how you try to convince me that you're having a good time, maybe on social media, your posts and your likes. I don't care how you try to make it look. Life without Jesus is miserable. I can, I've proven it. I know the difference. When I feel the detachment, even now as a pastor, I feel like I've gone through my day and I just don't feel like I've been connecting. I, it, it, it's a horrible place to be. And he wants you to get to that place where you just kind of come to your senses and you wake up and you go, I need the shepherd. I need to cry out. I need deliverance. And Jesus says, oh, I've been waiting to get to this part of the story. I've been waiting to get to this part of the parable. Come with me now to verse number 13 because Jesus goes on to say, if it turns out that he finds it, if he finds the sheep, if he finds you, when he finds you, truly I say to you, Jesus says, he rejoices over it more than over the 99 which have not gone astray. Oh, please hear the heart of Jesus this morning. He puts the majority of his energies into finding the one. He's not going to put the majority of his energies over the preferences of the 99. The dead formalism of the 99. The traditions of the 99. Someone is broken in a pandemic and they need Jesus. 
And he's going to put the majority of his energies, and guess what? Because you're his disciple, what he's actually doing right now is he's teaching you. He's saying, would you join me in my passion? Would you join me now in searching? And would you then enter into the joy of celebrating that this lost one has now been found? Is that reminding you of another parable? Because Jesus is repeating a story he's already told. You see, Jesus is talking now about what he told before, which is the story of the lost sheep, which we're talking about now. And then he now adds to that the lost coin, telling the same story. And then he adds to that the lost sons, plural. The one that left and the one that stayed. The one that was lost, like this lost sheep, and the one that stayed, like the 99. And the end of that story in Luke 15 is Jesus appealing to the Pharisees and then appealing to the reader, will you join me? Come in the house, celebrate. They're lost, but now they're found. Every time he finds something in Luke 15, he finds the sheep, he finds the coin, he finds the son, he celebrates the angels, the 99 in heaven that he left. They break out high-fiving one another, breaking out all the instruments, and they start celebrating that someone is now going to be a resident in heaven. They'll get to be with them forever, and they're celebrating already as if it's already a present reality. And Jesus is left appealing to Vienna, will you join me in that? Will you help me find my kids? Like, like finding Nemo, will you help me find my son? Will you help me find my daughter? Joy, there's joy when you find them. When they wake up and they go, I actually do need Jesus. Will you join me? Will you search with me? There's joy in heaven. And you touch heaven when you start to have joy on earth, when you bring and you participate in bringing the lost so that they can be found. That may be you. You may have come today and you know what it's like to experience church hurt. It may be you today, you're a pathfinder. You're an older pathfinder. You're an older youth. And though you're here in the building like that lost coin, you may be lost in the house. You know, the good news is you don't have to stay that way. The good news is you really can be found. You know, the, 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 the trip was expensive for Jesus. He, he actually did go to the cross. He actually did go, oh, what is it that you did? You lied? Is that what you did? Did, did you look at pornography? Is that what you did? Did you cheat on your spouse? What, did you disobey your parents? Is that what you did? He says, okay, 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 all right, all right, all right. Are you miserable right now because you've distanced yourself from me and that person hurt you and you left church and maybe you just came back today? I get it. I get it. Were you turned off by something that somebody said or did or whatever? I get it. Okay, all right. Guess what? I'm here on the cross. I took all that stuff and I let it kill, crush out my life. All right, now, will you come to me now? One author calls Jesus the hound of heaven. And he's relentlessly coming for you. He's not going to stop. Yeah, you may be pushing yourself away from him. You may be ignoring, ignoring those notifications you get from the church to come and worship. You may be going, no, I don't feel like spending time with Jesus reading my Bible today. i got to go to work. And Jesus says, yeah, I'm going to work right now. And through the Spirit, he pursues you. He relentlessly searches for you. And he's not going to stop. And he's not going to force you. But he's not going to stop until you've reached that place where either you're with him or you're not. He's relentless in his love for you. Jesus says, you matter so much to me. And the praise team may want to come up. You matter so much to me. 
But I promise you, I'm going to hold whoever hurts you accountable. He says, you matter so much to me that I come in relentless search, even just for you. That's the story there. That's the message there. One sheep. I will come just for you. Seven, over seven billion people on the planet, I'd come just for you. I'd die just for you. I'd be spit on just for you. Yes, I would. Do it a hundred times over. That's what Jesus is saying. And he says that you matter so much to God. You matter so much to God that he rejoices over you more than he would rejoice over those that he never lost. That's how much you matter to God. That's how much you matter to God. Max Locato says that if God had a refrigerator, your face would be on it. Your picture would be on it. Like real talk, like that's how God feels about you. When you hurt, he hurts. When you sin, he feels the wound. It's like we've crucified him afresh. But that doesn't stop him from loving you. Yeah, he sees you in pain. You're distancing yourself. Maybe you've been pushed away, whatever it is. And by the way, family, one of the most evangelistic things that we can do as a church is say, I'm sorry. It's, it's, it's so true and so good to my soul right now. I'm going to say it again. One of the most evangelistic things that we can do in this generation is say, I'm sorry. It would stun the world. It would stun the world. And it would lead them closer to faith in Christ. Jesus says that we should be known by our love for one another. And that can't happen until, until reconciliation amongst the body first becomes a top priority. It would stun the world. In this divided world where there's fighting and wars, there's a group of people that are forgiving one another. Good God. That are going from lost to found. You don't have to be outside there in the world, never raised in the church to be lost. You can be lost right here. Member, in the leader in the church, lost. And Jesus, it doesn't have to remain that way. It takes one choice, one moment. And angels start rejoicing. And I hope we rejoice too. Thank you for listening to Living For Him Podcast. I pray that you were blessed by this message and that you experienced the good news of the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. I'd like to personally invite you to respond to this good news and take the next steps in following Jesus by clicking the prompt in the description. I've also created a resource to help you experience the joy of a close relationship with Jesus called the Life in Christ Daily Devotional Journal. If you'd like to experience Jesus daily, watch the good news of his story unfold throughout scripture, and do this as a weekly small group gathering, then get your copy today in print or ebook by clicking the link in the description. Living for Him exists to tell the story of Jesus for the equipping of healthy disciple makers who extend his reign of love. If you'd like to support the further development of this exciting ministry, then I encourage you to become a monthly supporter by also clicking the link in the description. Your support is greatly appreciated. You're also invited to like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to this podcast and subscribe to our e-newsletter by visiting our website at livingforhim.tv. Lastly, we kindly ask that you write us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any other podcast platform you're listening to us on, and share this podcast with your friends. 
I look forward to meeting you here again in our next episode, where our desire is that you experience the joy of life in Christ. Once again, I'm CJ Cousins, and I'm living for him.